Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Welcome to Encounter Grace. This is the first episode of season two, and we're so glad you're with us. Over the summer, you might notice we, if you're watching, uh, we updated the studio and Ben renegotiated his contract <laughs> and I got a facelift. It's so we're good to go. <laughs> We've got some great stuff teed up for the fall and we can't wait to enroll it. Uh, but first, let me say this. Thank you for being part of this listening community. It is so much fun to hear from different people. We hear from people all the time how encouraging and helpful these episodes have been. And so thank you for feeding back. Thank you for sharing. And there's other people that will be helped by this. So keep on it. We're you know now on Spotify. I don't know if we told you that. And iTunes as well as Facebook and YouTube since the beginning. All right. Well, enough housekeeping. Today, Ben and I are super glad to have a dear friend with us, Dr. Joan Perry. Joan, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. If you don't know Dr. Perry or Joan, she's a pediatrician in our community, and you've served here for 35 years uh, and raised five sons and now have four daughters-in-law and 13 grandchildren and counting. And counting. <laughs> and you and your husband, Jimbo, are super active in the body at Grace, in the body of Christ beyond Grace, in our community and around. And we're so glad you're with us today. Thank you. So glad to be here. Well, I don't know if you're anxious about what we're going to talk about, but <laughs> we are going to talk about anxiety. Children, teens, college careers, parents, grandparents. I mean, anxiety can hit any of us and it can be tough to walk through. So our hope is that today we can have a conversation that will answer some of the questions, lighten some of the burden, mm -hmm. and hold out some hope for you or for family or for friends. Now, Ben, you're the reason we're talking about this, not because you're filled with anxiety, but because <laughs> you had a great insight a little while ago. Share with us a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, Joan, like I remember a couple months ago, kind of, uh, having this question come up because we the way it started was uh later back in april we we had a prayer night for our youth group and we set up all these stations around uh in our youth room and we walked them through and one of the stations was every one of our students got to go to this basket and they got to write out a prayer they didn't have to put their name on it there was no identification nothing like that but it just asked them how can we be praying for you in any possible way and so i was amazed when every single one of our students put one in there hmm. Uh, it was the one thing where they all flocked to, and that was just, they, they made it, they owned so it. So interesting. Yeah. And so the next day, I was so excited. I got in on Monday morning and uh, got to work, and I started reading through them. I prayed through them, every one of them, and almost none of them had names on them. And But I remember as I read through them, I, I, I found something that I didn't quite know what to do with, and mm. and that was really the beginning of this, of this idea of this podcast when I found that about 75% of the ones I read had to do with anxiety. Well, so interesting. Three quarters of, mm. about, of about 50 students or so had to do something along the lines of about anxiety with school, anxiety with uh, the sports they were playing, mm. anxiety about the future, where they were gonna go to college, what they were gonna major in, or just social interactions with friends, mm. with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Anxiety was driving, or was a problem. Mm. And they were asking for prayer because they were unsure how to do that. And then all the way up until just recently, of, and this is kind of a lower level of, of that, and what I'll be curious on how we distinguish these two things, just with 
oncoming sixth graders coming up to youth group who have been excited for months and then all of a sudden start getting cold feet and they start getting nervous and they get anxious. Right. And so, you know, what, mm. what's so curious for me is it seems like when I look back 30 years ago, no one, really, it didn't seem like anyone was talking about this. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like anyone was talking about how students are struggling with anxiety. Mm. But yet 75% of our still small sample size are struggling with it. That students are often timid to go to things that they normally would have, or it seems like they normally would have gone to because of anxiety. So my question and where I think we wanted to go a little bit today was how did, how did we get here? <laughs> how, and maybe just personally, how do we navigate the difference between fear and anxiety? What are those sure. differences? And maybe we'll touch on that. But also how do we shepherd students? How do we shepherd parents? Yeah. And how do we mm-hmm. walk through that with just with different with different people in our body mm-hmm. and ourselves? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. great questions. Yeah, and of yeah. course, COVID has done nothing but amplify some of this, but at the same time has brought a lot to light. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about it, but the discussion yeah. really began with the millennial generation, called the the anxious generation, yeah. because mm-hmm. they were the first generation to grow up with so much technology. I mean, having the internet at their fingertips, right. yeah. and what we've learned from that is with that comes great benefits of course but at the same time when you look at the social media component and the news component and the false news component Mm -hmm. and the ability to blast out you know everything that's going on with all your friends and such um, what comes with that is some level of anxiety as you're sorting through that Mm -hmm. so I find it so fascinating because that's one of the things that I've noticed about our students I mean because the internet Mm -hmm. is like in many ways, it's such a great thing. Like the Absolutely. amount of, like the level of interconnectivity that you, that students can have, that we can have, where you can connect to people who are across oceans in minutes and seconds. Like that, that that blows me away. But also, there's a price that comes with that level mm-hmm. of interconnectivity. Right. Where you can know exactly, like where the second you open your present on Christmas, you can know exactly what the person down the street got, and you can start comparing. Or you right. can know where people are on Friday night, even though That's they said right. they were going to be someplace else. Like just. It's, it's so interesting that technology has ramped that up, it does seem. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And with that generation began the dialogue, the conversation now about okay. mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw it in the Olympics, right? Yes. We saw yep. it yeah. in the tennis majors. Yep. Um, Hollywood's talking about it, the presence mm-hmm. of mental illness. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. some has maybe been escalated, but also maybe it's been there to some extent, and we just haven't talked about it. And we see that reflected in the church too. Remember, there was such a stigma to mental illness. And now, thankfully, we're beginning to talk about it like we're doing today. Yeah. But I mean, Because you get to healing by addressing things. Absolutely. And of course, you want to address it with the body Mm -hmm. of Christ because that's part of your support and that's part of your healing. Mm -hmm. I mean, your healing can come through the body of Christ as the Lord ministers to you through it. Um, But maybe a good place to start would be, you know, what is the difference between fear and anxiety? Uh, Because you've mentioned a couple of them. In fact, when you said, you know, are you anxious, Joan? Well, (laughs) would it not be normal to experience some anxiety in this situation? Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. I mean, there's a there's fear is a normal response to a, a, a reasonable trigger. Right. A normal response. So it would yeah. be normal to be a little anxious. It would be normal to be frightened if I walked in my kitchen and saw a snake. You know, yeah. don't have, that's happened before, by the way. Um, I mean, those are that, that's normal fear. It's and, normal fear. And when we and look healthy. at the way we're made in the image of God, our, our fear is helpful in terms of self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, Jackson gave us a cat. 
a couple years ago for Christmas, and at first the cat didn't know what a dog was, but in a couple months she learned and terribly fearful. Uh-huh. And of course, when she's out in our backyard, we're glad that she's afraid of mm-hmm. you know, those animals. It's part right. of her self-preservation. So anxiety is an ex- is excessive worry, fears, um, uh, even physical agitation that's elicited by those sort of normal triggers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and to the extent that, and this is kind of the kicker, to the extent that your normal daily routine is interrupted. Okay. It's affecting your normal daily life. So that's really good. So anxiety is excessive. Let's say that again, because I, I think it's so good. And as, as someone's yeah. driving down the road, they need to hear it again. Right. Ex- excessive, it's excessive worry, worry. Or, or anxiety mm-hmm. that interferes with right. daily life. There it is. Hmm. So pretty simple. Yep. It can be manifest in physical symptoms, too, and it often is. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that really, in a nutshell, is what it's about. So in children, maybe an example would be um, if a two-year-old, if my granddaughter, who's going to start school, I guess maybe today or tomorrow she starts little preschool, yeah. it would be normal for her to cry and be upset when she leaves her mom. Mm-hmm. That's developmentally appropriate for a two-year-old. Right. Yeah. However, if you've got a six-year-old going to school, and a month before school started, she started having a stomach ache, right. headaches, not able to sleep. And when she gets to school, she begins to cry, and she cries through almost the entire school day. Then it happens to some extent the next day, and the mm-hmm. next day. This is excessive right. reaction excessive. to a normal developmental stage, normal previous, but not for her. Now it's right. inappropriate. It's inappropriate, okay. right? Yep. So. Um, that's anxiety, mm-hmm. or we should say maybe pathologic anxiety, wow. right? Right, like beyond the normal mm-hmm. into the mm-hmm. pathologic. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, and so we see it in children. As you said, we see it in adults. Mm-hmm. We see it in, in older adults. Um, but yeah, interestingly true. enough, we see the onset in children, especially between ages 6 and 12, hmm. when we're attentive to it, um, and then again as adolescents to okay. onset that, that point. And are we seeing it more now than we were 30 years ago? Mm-hmm. Or are we just diagnosing, like are we better able to talk about it? Like, I mean, Yeah, that, so that's really hard to yeah, know. Yeah, okay. It is, it's very hard to know for the reasons that we talked about earlier. Um, I would say we're definitely more attentive to it. Mm-hmm. Even in the past five to 10 years, yeah. I have noticed I've become more sensitive to it and pick up on it much more frequently than before. Mm-hmm. So not to say that it wasn't there before, maybe yeah. I'm more attentive to it, but because our society is more accepting, at least this conversation, parents are recognizing it more often. Right. And when does that go over the edge? Like, let me just kind of play the devil's advocate. Sure. Can we, does that, does that ever go too far in parents? And of course it can go too far, but how do we know when I'm as a parent being just a little too protective of my, my little ones, well, teenagers or, or grade school? I mean, just. So sometimes this is an issue actually. Um, maybe we'll talk a minute about lo- noticing it in your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and of course it depends on the age, but you go back to what you think is an inappropriate reaction for their developmental stage. Right? right? So just in, in fact, in the example I mentioned about separating. Mm-hmm. Um, and in teenagers, 
that can be masked because number one, you're not around them as often, maybe part of being a teenager, right, is developing right. some privacy. Right. Um, and uh, so, you, so you, you, have to be a, you have to take a closer read on your kids. But you watch how they're relating to others. You watch how mm. they're reacting to what, what might seem like normal to other kids. Maybe it's, maybe it's going to a movie. Maybe it's going to church. Maybe it's just going to a gathering with lots of people and you notice that they are not yeah, about it. And they may be there. developing symptoms before they go. I mean, you know, yeah. I, you know, I don't want to go. I'm feeling bad. I, you know, this kind of thing. And then you pray that you've got a line of communication or you can develop a line of communication so you can talk about what is it that is frightening you? Are you frightened to go? Are you, and that enables you to kind of begin to put your finger on it. I think as parents begin to understand what the problem is with their child, their normal tendency many times is then to enable them to avoid that setting right. or avoid those circumstances. Right. And therein is the problem. If you begin right. that in particular with the younger age group and you know, okay, so maybe we don't have to go to school, you know, maybe right. we'll homeschool, maybe, you know, begin to play into this avoidance mechanism, then what we're doing is we're not helping address the issue, right? Yeah. Instead, we're perpetuating the problem. You know, I remember 13 years old, maybe 14, getting ready for the winter youth retreat up in Montreal mm. to a, you know, Great Parkside <laughs> Ranch youth retreat. And two in the afternoon, I'm at school on Friday, getting sick in my stomach. And then three o'clock, three thirty, four o'clock, I get home. Mom, I can't go. I'm sick, and you know, and right. she kind of let me go for a, for an hour or so. And then about five o'clock, she dropped the hammer. She's like, "You're going. You do this every time. <laughs> You're getting on the bus." I'm like, "What? No, you get. You got to be." And she was exactly right. I got there. I had a ball. Exactly. But for five hours, I was like, "Oh." Yes, but she did the right thing. What she if she did had the said? Right thing. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. exactly. So I, I was in, the fourth kid. I had no chance. <laughs> she knew all the tricks. She had learned a lot at that point. <laughs> that's right. But so you're looking for in any age group, you're looking for signs of excessive fear, mm -hmm. which again may not be verbalized at all, but be manifest in other symptoms. I mean, right. sort of chronic symptoms yeah. or concerns if they're able to talk to you about that. Mm -hmm. um, and you're looking for interruption in their daily life. I mean, distraction in the mm -hmm. classroom. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've learned that a lot of ADHD, there, there can be an anxiety component and the, huh. it's actually the anxiety that's causing the distraction that looks like wow. attention deficit, right. but in but fact, totally in distracted by the anxiety being in the classroom or wow. whatever it is in the classroom that's bothering them. Right. Yeah. Wow. I was always distracted by the pretty girls. <laughs> there uh. you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was. I found this so fascinating because it's. I can think of so many just different examples in the last four years of being here in student ministry that I've seen some of these places just with, I mean, the amount of students that we have who, I think of like our summer camp where every year we go to Snowbird, right? And our students will rave about it. They'll sign up begging to, like, and we'll, ha we'll, have, to, we'll have a waiting list yeah. that's like half the size of our youth group, it feels like. And then as we get closer, it, you can tell, like, they'll be the same students who are so eager to go, and then all of a sudden it's, Oh, but I do remember there was this one thing I didn't like, and then mm. there was this other thing that got that was that was kind of problematic, that was uncomfortable, and like these things start mm. getting bigger. And it's funny, you know, when you're a year out, all you can see is the fun, but then as you get closer, at least with our, at least my, it's been my experiences, then it's all you can see is the problems. Oh, well, do I really okay? And it's so interesting as just watching students get overwhelmed and almost try to pull themselves away from mm. these situations because of I, from seemingly anxiety. Yes, yes. How yes. The more you learn about it, 
yeah. the more you begin to recognize it. Yeah. So back to the question of, do, are we experiencing more or is this the fact that we're just able to identify it and talk yeah. about it? Right. And that, um, I guess that's the question. Like, how, how prevalent is it? Like, what are we seeing? Are we... Yes. And so this is interesting uh, when you think, too, about the COVID situation. And has that really caused an escalation right. in mental health issues? Well, you know, we believe it has. But mm -hmm. what we know about most mental health disorders, and anxiety is one of those, um, it's multifactorial. You've got mm -hmm. the biological component, which is heredity. Mm -hmm. It's strongly That's inherited. Up. You can mm -hmm. always see a family history. And truth really? be told, if you talk to enough people and you go uh, just back a few generations, you're likely to find someone. Maybe it wasn't diagnosed, right. but it's very okay. strongly inherited. The mm -hmm. tendency to, but that doesn't mean you're going to have anxiety because both right. parents do or your grandparents or your cousins or whoever, okay. uh, because you're there's an environmental doomed. component. Mm -hmm. um, and COVID is one of those. Mm, so you, know, you throw on the stress, the uncertainty, the isolation of COVID, yeah. and then, you know, you, you begin to look around, gosh, how do I deal with this fear? And, and I, you know, I, I don't know what to do with this, certainly mm -hmm. for a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, so there's an environmental component. And as we mentioned before, there's a developmental component. And right. that's true for adolescents, as we've talked about before, right. is developmentally what's going on in our brain. Yes. Um, it's fascinating what's going on. So a lot of oh. times we say, see anxiety uncovered in teenagers because you've got this, you know, this amazing constellation of hormones and growth right. and developing your own identity and smack it with COVID, <laughs> right. Right? right? Right. And wow. Yeah. So, and this might just be my experience, but I feel yeah, like I found that so helpful. Thank you. Like hereditary, environmental, developmental. Mm -hmm. Like that's just so helpful. And as I'm thinking through that, I think it, and again, this might be my own experience of this, but it seems like we can vilify a couple of those mm -hmm. and then like, okay, this one's normal though, depending on where we are and who we are. Like right now, I feel like the environmental one's just everywhere. And everyone's like, okay, great. Of course yeah, you're feeling this way because we've gone through trauma from uh, maybe from like from early in your life or uh, from COVID or whatever that is. But then we can kind of take a stick or like, like look down on the hereditary side of that. You know, some people you're, you've, you've brought that, like you've been born with some of this, right? Right. Oh, for sure. And then the developmental side, like we can kind of be sarcastic and we go, oh, okay, this is just teenagers, but it's a reality. Right. Yes. I think that's so important, just hereditary, environmental, and development. Yes. That's so so as, as a 48-year-old, can I still claim developmental? You can. <laughs> okay, uh, good. Because we're always oh, developing, right? <laughs> we are always we developing. We are always developing. Yeah. And, and our central nervous system, our brain, is always changing. Amazing. Yeah. So and it is remarkable uh, when you think about it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is. And I'll have to say, you know, we talk about COVID being a stressor. But for kids and teenagers with social anxiety, oh, it was a blessing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a great thing. Oh, no, it was a great thing. I mean, yeah. many of my teens with social anxiety, they've said, we, I've had the best school year I've ever had. <laughs> the mother says, you know, the, the stomach pain went away, the headache went away. I mean, amazing. And now, going back to school, this has right. been the hard time. Oh, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, but you see, we're all different. Do you remember a couple of years ago, not COVID, but environmental factors, like, mm -hmm. like the idea of what's going on around you? Uh, a couple of years ago at the UN climate conference mm -hmm. and that young girl from Scandinavia, yes. Greta Thunberg, yes. and she, I, I mean, I mean, this is writ large, but like 
how dare you as adults tell us all this, but then not do anything about it? I mean, that was her speech. That's and right. you can see the anxiety in her life because everyone around her is saying the climate is like, we're all gonna burn or freeze within the next three years. And yet everyone's still driving their cars. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. this anxiety in this poor girl and many like that, like mm -hmm. it just, that's what I thought. I thought, man, this, this woman is not being given a chance at a healthy life basically mm -hmm. by, by this huge meta narrative of, of man-made yeah, climate example. change that's killing us. Mm -hmm. like, you know. Great example. So how do we, um, like this is fun, let's move into the idea of, okay, so what do we do? How do we help? What are some mm -hmm. things, and, and I wonder, Joan, if we could talk first sort of in the medical field, in the counselor's office, and then in a moment add to it some of the tools that Christians have. So some of the things God has allowed us to discover work for everyone, and then even for the body of Christ, there's extra stuff to add to it. So sure. what medicines... Uh, anxiety meds and what therapy practices are worth us knowing about. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the interesting thing is is this is treatable. Huh. So this is great you know to we hear. need to hear this. This is yeah. treatable because of course we're talking about the way we think. That's what anxiety is, right? right. So it originates in our thoughts. Right. Of course, Paul, the apostle Paul, had a lot to say about how we think. Right. right? Think yeah. about these things. Right. Think about this. I mean, so many passages mind from the letters talk about, yes, yeah. yeah, let your mind be transformed, mm -hmm. which means our minds can be transformed. Right. So our mm -hmm. minds can be changed. So this, this is treatable, and it's really treatable at all those different developmental stages I mentioned. Hmm. Some may be more difficult, yeah. but... Um, when we think about treatment, so Jason, you're right, we think about pharmacologic treatment and with medicines and then behavioral treatment, which is teaching us how to think. Hmm. Um, uh, so medication-wise, um, you know, I, I remember maybe 30 years ago, I had a friend who went on a medication. Oh, my golly, everybody thought, I mean, they just ostracized her. I mean, right. really, yeah. especially in Christian circles. Oh, mm. why are you just have faith. relying on medication? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, we talked about the biologic component. I mean, just like asthma. Right. Uh, I mean, you're going to treat asthma. Well, of course, you know, to help you get going in the right direction, why not use a medication that's proven to be helpful um, as long as we pay attention to the, yeah, yes, to the, to the treatment plan and to the possibility of side effects. So mm -hmm. um, in the right circumstance, medication is certainly helpful. And the right circumstance means it's that anxiety that's really impacting daily life, whether you're an adult or whether you're a child. Mm. Um, uh, but, you know, that come alongside it always with medication, always use the behavioral component, which is um, mm. psychotherapy. Mm. And actually, I should have done this in reverse order. You know, I will often start with psychotherapy and then go to the medication if huh. needed. Yeah, right. uh, and I don't do psychotherapy, but I do know a bit about it. And I, I think it's been validated for years, in particular, mm. cognitive behavioral therapy. Right. Um, uh, and, and that basically, cognitive means thinking. Uh -huh. Behavior means your behavior is impacted by how you think. Mm. And therapy means this is a way to help. Right. So it's a way to help you think so your behavior will be impacted. That's great. Um, so um, it is, it's, it's really effective. Um, mm. So we love that. I um, am also asked sometimes about whether or not 
that really is a Christian therapy. Hmm. And and I have and I'm sure there I hope there's some people listening who know more about this than I do and you can enlighten me, but right. I really think there's a place there for for uh, psychological entrepreneurship. Hmm. And I think really we could take CBT and combine it with scripture and really run with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I still think, you know, that's that's certainly the avenue that we pursue now. And of course, as I'm talking to my Christian parents, I'm saying, as I'm talking to them about how you come alongside your child, which we can talk about in a minute if you like, mm-hmm. but to use scripture is the number one thing you're gonna do. Because mm-hmm. Paul tells us how to think. Right. Well, we wanna think based on truth. Mm-hmm. Well, where is truth? Yeah. You know, it's right in the word. It's yeah. right in the word. So um, CBT, yes, um, medicine when needed, mm-hmm. um, it's safe, it's effective. Yeah. Um, we're just careful with how we use it and always you know, having someone with you, whether it's a spouse or you know, a parent who's helping you look for side effects and identifying right. those and making changes when we need to. It's so helpful because even I grew up in the era where medicine was a little bit down on. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, you wouldn't you wouldn't do that for cancer. You wouldn't look down on it for Mm -hmm. cancer and the biological factors Mm -hmm. involved here, too. That's very, very helpful. And um, so then taking it one step further as believers, God gives us even more tools and you've already alluded to them. And I love that. Think about such things, you know, Philippians 4, 8. Um, and truth is in scripture. What are some things as a Christian mom and grandma and friend and mentor? Um, and then Ben, for you as a, as a student minister and someone who's in a lot of kids' lives. And by the way, um, what's really fun is when there's a kid in need, Ben and Janessa shine. I mean, it's just the shepherding that comes out of Ben and Janessa. It's just amazing. It's a gift to this I body. So that agree. People don't really know mm-hmm. until they're in trouble. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. the Nerf Wars are all fun, but you know, there's also that that care and that shepherding. How do you all handle that? And what tools do you use, or what help have you found God give you to give others, or even to give yourself in fear and anxiety at different mm-hmm. times? Mm-hmm. Well, I can't wait to hear what Ben has to say, because I'm sure his Uh. is focused on teens. I will say straight up, the first thing is look at the parent. When when I'm, Mm. when I, is, is, where is the parent with anxiety? And what Mm. are you modeling at home? So how do you deal with stress? You know, how do you deal with fear as a parent? Because many times we see the trickle-down effect with our kids, right? Mm. Is the way we're modeling. So especially as Christian parents, we need to be in the Word, and we need to be modeling mm-hmm. dependence on the Lord right. and what that looks like. Right. It's so good for them to see us deal with our fears yeah. and our concerns and our yep. own anxiety. That healthy fear that we were talking about mm-hmm. um, is so good, for, or, or, or even un- unhealthy, is so good for them to see us deal with that. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, too, you know, I, I highlighted this a minute ago, and that is parents should not be helping their children avoid the triggers, but rather their message should be, what I want to do is help come alongside you to learn how to manage these. Mm. I mean, that's what Paul says in Romans 5. He says, you know, in your suffering, in your difficulty, as you depend on the Lord, as you depend on Christ in you to take you through this, what's the outcome? It's character development. Right. You know, it's growth in the Lord. It's learning how to depend and rely on Him. So as Christian parents, I think that's really key. That's um, such a great point. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, I always love 2 Timothy 1.7. Um, 
God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. Hmm. And of course, the self-discipline means we're helping them learn how to discipline their mind to think about these things. Hmm. You know, hmm. when you're going to get out of the car today to go to school, I want you to think about that devotion we had this morning when we talked about the picture of you being in God's hands today. Right. You know, just those kinds of simple things. I, we're not going to avoid the situation, but right. rather I want to help you kind of take the scripture and very, very simply, you know, apply mm -hmm. it to your fear. Mm -hmm. That's great. That is so rich. John, I think we should have talked about this because I think you just stole all my stuff. So, uh, <laughs> can I just say that? Uh, <laughs> Ditto. Why? Well, which is actually really encouraging. So, any success I've had, it, I think it's there. It's founded mm. in that. So, I think Janessa, and my mom, one of, one of the, I think our success has been founded in this, and it's exactly what you said: is we we always look to model how to face fear, and how to like how to face struggle or difficulty, and then just what you said and how to manage it. Mm -hmm. And so we do that. Uh, one thing I, I constantly push our students to is to have people in your life uh, to exactly. talk about it with mm -hmm. and to have some, so they're also in it with you. Uh, I recently just did this with one of our students, a really uh, good friend of mine, one of, one of our students, who, uh, I mean, just going through a lot and was processing a lot and whether it was fear of the unknown, fear of what's next, uh, of what that could look like and so many other things. It's I mean, and it was coming out as anger, fr like frustration, yes. so, so many things. Mm -hmm. And I and I just asked, I was like, who are you talking with? Mm -hmm. Who do you have? Who are you processing this with? And I can, and, and he didn't, he had no one. Mm -hmm. And it, and it wasn't because he didn't actually have anyone. He just wasn't inviting anyone into it with him. Right. And I, and I just knew that was going to be the case because I knew that that was one of the greatest lessons the Lord taught me as I was growing up. I mean, that was one of the things that ended up bringing me to Christ is I had no one in it with mm -hmm. me and I blew up because mm -hmm. I, I broke down. Mm -hmm. And so it was, do you have someone to talk about this with and to invite in? So you know that when it does get difficult and it always does mm -hmm. eventually that you have someone with you. It's one of the benefits of the church of having, of being in community with people. So good. And then mm -hmm. also practically it was how to be proactive in those things. Mm -hmm. uh, the best thing I used to never think I had anxiety. And then uh, I started working <laughs> and I uh, had all these things I had to get done and I would could be anxious, like, how are we going to do all this? And then I realized if I was proactive, if I planned, if I figured out, well, this is what it's going to look like. Here's what it's going to take. I still get mm -hmm. anxiety with our events that we throw every time. And so I make 500 to-do lists that are all exactly the same, but I check them all off and it helps me yes. because it's proactive. Uh, and I think the last thing is one of the benefits of getting to do student ministry is you get to talk to our students, at least preach to them. Uh, I, I do once a week. And one of the things I constantly bring up, uh, because this was shaping for me, and I think it should be shaping for all of us, especially our students, especially our high school students and middle school, is identity. Yes. One of the great answers, I think, to helping students with their anxiety is helping them know that their identity is not found in the likes that they get in social media right. or the, the popularity they have at their school mm -hmm. or, or what mom or dad says about mm -hmm. them or doesn't say about them. Mm -hmm. Now, all of those things are real and they do affect you. But the thing that we find our identity in, who are, we find our value in is ultimately not any of those, but Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's life changing. I tasted that. I found, I found that anytime I'm struggling with anxiety, I have to go back to the root. You know, if this event fails, 
my identity is still in Christ. That's right. And it, and I counsel students on that a good bit. It's like no matter where you are, that can still be true. That is still true. So good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's going back to truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Know, um, yeah. The truth of who you are in, in Christ. Um, and, you know, the identity issue isn't limited or restricted to the teenage years, right? Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. I mean, yes. it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. A midlife crisis, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm about to get a Corvette, by the way. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> to go with your gold chain. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, one of the things that Susan does, and she shares this all the time, so it's not telling tales out of school, but like when she's facing a sleepless night because of worry about her kids or mm-hmm. about me or something, like let's say I'm traveling overseas, you know, and she's like, well, what if the plane goes down? And what she does is she disciplines herself to say, well, then what then? What then? Yes. What then? And she just mm-hmm. does that four, five, six times and always gets to, and God's going to hold us up. Yes. And God's going to hold us up. And it may be hard to get there. You know, we're going to miss him. We're going to cry. We're going to be, you know, whatever. But God will hold us up. He will be faithful. And you just get yourself to the what then. Yeah. Um, and, and that's one of those things that has brought her a lot of relief in the moment of it, in the, in the time of that sort of deeper anxiety, deeper malaise. Yes. Um, you, you know, we were just talking about how you manage it, whether anxiety, whether you're talking about children or whether you're talking about adults. One of the issues with the digital age is that it has moved us so indoors and staring at screens that we're not outside very often, mm-hmm. unless we're intentional about it, right? Right. So, um, interestingly enough, there have been lots of studies to, suge- to suggest with kids that being outside, I mean, is really, and adults too, I yeah. mean, really, we need to be outside because in the outside we're reminded of God's summer? sovereignty, even in the summer, oh, um, God's sovereignty and his purpose mm-hmm. and creation, and um, you know, there's just a connection there, and we know that mm. there's a neurobiologic connection there. Hmm. So um, That's great. Yeah. You know, cabin fever in Montreal is January, but in Kinston it's August. That's true. <laughs> the humidity that is true. and rats will get you here. They, I mean, they will. But we're still out on the front yard playing speedminton. If you, oh, if you, you haven't go. played speedminton, you got to you got to be out. <laughs> anyway, um, I texted Jimbo an article about golf or speed golf that was in the Wall Street oh, Journal last week. Oh, really? Yeah, I texted fun. it to him. I didn't see that one. Yeah, That's but good. I thought, man, this guy, he's on that. Okay, last question or or last kind of let's let's tackle or think about this. Um, anxiety is real and it's not all sort of pathologic or extreme. Like how do we as parents or friends navigate the difference between, Hey, my friend or my, my daughter, my son is, has some level of anxiety, or this is really serious that we need to take different action. How do we know? Well, if you're suspicious, you go to your primary care provider. Hmm. You know, rather than you have the weight of making that call, you bring them in. I mean, Ben was talking about the importance of involving someone with whom you communicate. Well, one of those would be, of course, um, your primary care provider, someone to help you make that distinction. Um, But again, I think you go back to to what extent is daily life being interrupted? Yeah. You know, you just kind of keep, that's pathologic. When when your daily routine is being altered, by avoidance, um, usually by avoidance. Yeah, right. You know, uh, but yes, yeah. that's great. That that is a really good mm-hmm. thumbnail mm-hmm. for for someone. Uh, I do have one question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and th- this one's pretty pretty personal, I guess, on this end for just with our student ministry with some of our students who will find themselves, mm-hmm. and I guess is answering it for parents of students who will be anxious and not want to go to like whether it's school or to 
church events or churches on church on Sunday morning or to certain things because they're feeling anxious and it's and it's gone on a long time. How do parents kind of navigate their kids? And you've answered this a bit, but I I, I would love to just at least another follow up on it of how do they help their kids and not trying to go over the edge and push them into things that might end up traumatizing them or like pushing too far, but also just trying to say, look, no, this is a good thing and need to push Mm -hmm. you into that. Does that question make sense? It does. So the question would be, is it limited to church gathering? Because if they don't have a problem going to school or going Mm -hmm. to the movie or going to the concert, then it's a different conversation. Okay. You know, then we're not thinking so much of anxiety as we're thinking there's another reason for avoidance. Mm -hmm. Um, but there again, if you're, if you're recognizing sort of social anxiety among your teen, it, it's going to be generalized to other settings. Um, and, yeah. and we do, yeah, I mean, right. the, the way the therapist probably would, would begin to address that with CBT is eventually gradually increasing the size of the gathering to which you're mm-hmm. taking the child, right? Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Joan, is there, what, what other shepherding insight comes to your mind right now to share? Hmm. Which I'm putting you on the spot. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, sometimes Jimbo and I were asked about what, you know, what really makes a difference when you're raising children. Hmm. To sort of keep them with you, even when you go through those hard Times. I mean, adolescence is one of those hard times. It's if you tough. have enough kids, then you're going to experience <laughs> yeah. some rocky times. I mean, they're yeah. not all compliant. We had some that were compliant, some were less compliant. <laughs> right. just... But, um, you know, probably to that, we would say a real genuine sharing of life together. Hmm. And it's doing that starting young. I mean, and then you can really begin to see how your children are responding to these different settings that we were talking about. Is that normal anxiety or is that abnormal but I mean engaging them in ministry together with us and doing Mm -hmm. the fun things they like to do and attempting at our best to really emulate gospel living Mm -hmm. now of course you don't always do it just right and so you're quick to apologize and talk about that with your kids too which is gospel living uh, uh. which is gospel living <laughs> yes exactly and i think then I, it's been really such a blessing for me to watch as the boys have gotten older still such great respect for their dad i mean mm. their dad i mean being the same sex i mean just thinking that you know that's a hard role it would be the same if i'd had daughters but with right. with jimbo but I think it's because of doing life together, going through those hard times together, keeping the lines of communication open, mm-hmm. even when that can be challenging as right. teens, right? right. Um, earning their respect because you're living out what you've taught them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the walk matches mm-hmm. the talk. Yeah. And then being able to see the fruit of that. So it really encouraged parents to get dirty, down and dirty with their kids. and. Um, get them off the screens Mm -hmm. and engage them as a family doing things with you. I mean, even if you kind of have to make them at times, um, there are always times that we had to make our kids do things like that, you know? But they look back on it and they're not sad about it. Right. You know? Um, And I think they really learned from it. So we didn't do everything just right, but Mm -hmm. um, we tried to be honest when we weren't and kind of let them see gospel living in mm. reality. Mm-hmm. 
because kids spell love, T-I-M-E. That's right. I mean, I don't know who first said that, but that goes through my head all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's how they... And of course, if you begin mm-hmm. placing those limits on technology and such at an early age, then you don't yeah. have to fight that battle when they're 13 and 14 and 15 when it right. gets very, very difficult. Yep. And you're limiting yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Because if that's you're right. going to be throwing the football or playing Monopoly or whatever, watching a family movie or whatever, mm-hmm. but you're not always withdrawing from the family to your phone. That's right. Or, or whatever, just yeah. the same. Yeah. Uh, again, no, what wonderful. are you modeling? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joan, thank you so much. Thanks for Love shepherding being here. Of course, yeah. we could have this conversation go on and on, right? I know. Lots it, of things yeah. that we didn't talk about, but um, <laughs> we'll do, I enjoyed it. We'll do a part two. Sounds <laughs> but, great. But thank you. And you've, you've lessened my anxiety about being <laughs> a good. parent of teens and being a shepherd of souls. I mean, you know, everybody is dealing with this. Somebody mm-hmm. somebody called today and they said, look, I just, and, and a stranger, like it's not someone in the body, but uh, I'm blowing it with my girlfriend. I don't know what to do. And that he would call mm. out of nowhere to a stranger and pour his heart out is because everybody's got some level of anxiety mm-hmm. and they don't know how to mm-hmm. handle it. And That's so, right. So God's calling us to this. Well, thank you for joining us. And Ben, thank you for loving this mess of students that we have here. Yes. And yes. everyone who's listening and watching, thank you for being part of this Encounter Grace community. Take care. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.